Today's scripture is John 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were, their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You may be seated. Thank you. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. We praise you for your goodness. And we ask now that you, re you would reveal more of your goodness to us through your word. Reveal your goodness to us and reveal your goodness to the kids downstairs through your word, by your spirit. Be with all of us as one church that we would glorify you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Sam. I'm on the team here. It's my joy to open up God's Word with you as we continue our Advent sermon series. <clears throat> so, I was talking to a pilot and he was telling me uh, how pilots, all pilots, need to go through regular refresher training and testing throughout their career, regardless of how long they've been pilots for. And it's especially important with, with the advances in technology and things like autopilot. Because it, with all these things, it, it's so easy for things to appear fine on the surface, but under the surface, knowledge and skills and even understanding slowly become assumed and then slowly forgotten. Which brings us to our passage for today. John 3.16 is one of the most famous verses in the Christian Bible. Because packed into this single verse is so many key truths that Christians are to live by and to fully understand. Many of us know the words of John 3.16, but may I suggest to you that many of us, our tendency is to go on autopilot, isn't it? For many of us, we may know the words of John 3.16, but so often we come to assume and perhaps even slowly start to forget the meaning and the significance of John 3.16. I say this because it's human nature to forget. It's human nature to assume and then to forget. But I also say, <coughs> excuse me, but I also say this because of all that's going on around us. If all of us who follow Jesus lived as though John 3.16 were completely true, I put it to us that we wouldn't have half the problems we face in the church today. And so for this morning, we're going to go through a refresher course of sorts. Whether you're just checking out Christianity or you've been a Christian for a day, a month, a year, a decade, several decades, this refresher training is for all of us. 
We're going to go through the, the key truths of John 3.16, and we're going to look at three points. Three points, condemnation for sin, God's love, and eternal life. So to our first point, condemnation for sin. Let's look at John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want us to start by looking at the last bit of the verse. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We need to start at the end because the Christian gospel is the good news that God sent Jesus to save us from perishing. To save us from the condemnation we deserve because of our sins. Verses 17 and 18 unpack this for us. It says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There's a contrast going on here, isn't there? Between being saved and being condemned. And, and the point is that we are all already condemned. We are already condemned because we have sinned. We have fallen short of God's perfect standard. We have rejected God's authority and put ourselves in charge. <coughs> we, we need to start with talking about sin because we need to start by asking ourselves, do we truly believe that sin is the problem? Not that sin is a problem, but do we truly believe that sin is the problem, the root problem of all the problems we face in the world? Every day we're confronted with problems, aren't we? Whether it's interpersonal or familial or communal or, or, or regional or international, with, with wars and, and injustice and famine and natural disaster, do we believe that the root problem is sin? There may be more immediate causes, but do we believe that the root cause, the root problem is sin? And it's important that we start with this. We start with, with the problem because if we get the problem wrong, we'll get the solution wrong. It's like when Jess and I had problems with our car a while back. <coughs> there was this grating noise that came on and off and we had no idea what was the problem, so we brought it to the mechanic. And before I go on, full transparency, I know absolutely nothing about cars. I am a car mechanic's dream. <laughs> Every time they tell me what the problem is, I'm just then nodding my head because I don't know any better, so I just go with the flow. So you can see where this is going, don't you? One mechanic told me that the problem was the brake rotor. I think that's what he said. It was the problem was the brake rotor and said he fixed it. But then you know what happened? The noise came back. So he brought it to another mechanic who said this time the problem was with the brake pad. And he said he fixed it. But then you know what happened? The noise came back. So he brought it to another mechanic who said the problem was the previous mechanics didn't do a good job. <laughs> and he said he fixed it. But you know what happened? The noise came back. It was only mechanic number four who finally solved the root problem. And to be honest, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know what the problem was. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to explain it to me, 
And to be honest, yesterday when I was preparing for my sermon, Jess came into the room and I was trying to figure out what the problem was so I can explain it to all of you. But then I gave up because I have no idea what it was. I think it was something to do with the wheel alignment. Does it make sense? No? Okay, it's fine. So anyway, the fourth mechanic finally solved the root problem and got rid of the noise once and for all. The first three, despite all that they said and all that they charged, they didn't solve the root problem. And so the noise just kept coming back. And the point is this, Christ City, sin is the root problem. And until sin is dealt with, you know what will happen? The noise will just keep coming back. And we all hear the noise, don't we? Verses 19 to 20 describe some of the noise of sin. Look at verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The noise of sin is when people love darkness rather than the light. The noise of sin is when people do things that are evil but can't even see that what they're doing is evil. They may even celebrate what is evil. But that's not all. Look at verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. The noise of sin doesn't just come from around us. It comes from inside each of us too, doesn't it? Because we are sinful. We are all sinful. The noise of sin is, is the guilt that comes from the dark, dark corners of our lives that we are ashamed to bring into the light. The noise of sin is the fear we have of death. The fear we have of the day when we will have to account for everything we've ever said or done or even thought. But here's the good news. There's a solution for the noise. I know a guy. There's a solution for sin because there's a mechanic who knows what he's doing. Because you know what? He made the car. God loves us so much that he sent his son to get rid of the problem of sin once and for all. Which brings us to our second point. God's love. God's love. The point is that we all have sinned. We're all under condemnation for sin. But praise God, that's not where the story ends. We all have sinned. We are all under condemnation for sin, but God also loves us. Look at verse 16 again. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. These are the words from God himself. I mean, to let that sit for a moment. We can know that God loves us because he says he loves us. The words we have in the Bible, they aren't just words on a page. They are a record of revelation from God himself. These are not just words. They are God's words. They are sacred words. They are timeless words. They are words that will never change because you know what? The one who said it will never change. A while back when I was uh, moving house, one thing I had to do was clear out all my old school stuff. And it was quite sobering. Maybe you know what, uh, maybe you can identify. Because when you clear out your old school stuff, you know what happens? You end up reading your old school stuff. And when you read some of what you wrote, you start thinking to yourself, oh my, 
I can't believe I wrote that. I would never say that now. I take that all back. Christ City, let's be clear. God isn't like that. We are like that. People are like that. We, we look at what we said a while back and, and we take it all back. But God isn't like that. God will never look at something he said and go, I take that back. God will never take his words back. God's words are unchanging because you know what? God is unchanging. And so we can have complete confidence in God's word. We can hang our whole lives on the truth that God's love for us will never change because he says he loves us and he will never take that back. God's love for us is unchanging, but it's also unconditional. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God so loved the world as long as the world keeps up its end of the bargain or for God so loved the world as long as it doesn't mess up too badly. No, God's love is unconditional. And we need to let God's unconditional love free us from the weight of thinking that we have to earn God's love. We need to remind ourselves of this every day because every day we are confronted by love that is nothing like God's. We are confronted by flimsy imitations of love that are conditional and fickle and, and have to be earned and so easily lost. Christ said, switch off the autopilot and remind ourselves God's love is not like that. Let God's unconditional love free us from the weight of thinking that we yo-yo in and out of God's love for us. Let God's unconditional love free us from all the times we do something and we go, oh, I've done it now. God couldn't possibly love me now. It doesn't work that way. God's love is unconditional because God's love has got nothing to do with us and everything to do with Him. I said this before, I'm going to say it again. God doesn't love us because we are lovely. It's actually the other way around. God doesn't love us because we are lovely, but we can know we are lovely because God loves us. Your identity is not based on how others view you or even how you view you. Your identity is based solely on how God views you. And He says, he declares, he promises, he loves you with an unchanging, unconditional love. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, what happened before you came in through those doors, and what's going to happen after you go out through those doors. You are loved, and you are lovely, because God says so. God's love is unchanging. God's love is unconditional. And God's love is also incarnational, which means that God himself came down to live among us as one of us. God moved into the neighborhood. God, we know God loves us, not just because he tells us, but because he shows us. Look at verse 16 again. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. God shows us his love for us in many ways, but most supremely in the giving of his own son. God's love is not a mere concept. It's, it's, 
a precise moment in history. It's revealed in history. Don't believe all those who say that there is no evidence for Christianity. Don't believe that all those don't believe all those who say that following Jesus is just following a myth. There is a precise, verifiable moment in history when Jesus, the Son of God, was born, when God became human. Jesus lived. He was crucified on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And you know what? He will come back again. There is a precise, verifiable moment in history when Jesus came. And there will be a precise, verifiable moment in history when Jesus comes back again. That's what Advent is all about, isn't it? Advent is a time when we remember that Jesus has come and we look forward to the time when Jesus will come again. God loves us with a love that is unchanging, unconditional, and incarnational. And I wonder how many of us could do with that reminder this morning. How many of us need to switch off the autopilot and be reminded of this truth? I think I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again. A few years ago, I was going through a Actually, a very difficult time. People were saying unkind things about me that were untrue. And I, honestly, I was spiraling and I honestly couldn't see a way out. I, I went to a mentor and I, I was sitting with him in the room and I was telling him everything that was happening and everything that I was feeling. And he waited for me to finish saying, to finish saying everything. And then he just looked at me. He looked me in the eyes at Sam. God loves you. He said, Sam, God loves you. And something broke. The tears started flowing. But this time, there were tears of relief. It's like, it's like a weight had been lifted from me. And it's absurd, right? I, I, can, I could recite John 3.16. I'd been a Christian for a long time. I was a leader in my church. In fact, I had preached a few times in a church. I know what I'm talking about. But I think what had happened was that I, I knew the words of John 3.16 by heart, but I hadn't let them sink deep into my heart. I'd allowed myself to be defined by what other people were saying, even by what I was saying about myself. I'd allowed myself to be defined by what was going on rather than what God has done for me. So, Christ City, just as I needed a dear friend to remind me all those years ago, perhaps some of us need this reminder for today. Or perhaps some of us need this reminder to put in our back pocket for another day that God loves you. <clears throat> How many of us have allowed ourselves to be defined by what is happening but, or by what other people are saying rather than what God is saying? How many of us find our hearts hardening against God during suffering? We think, how could God love me if He allows me to go through something like this? How many of us are tempted to sin, or if you're being honest, are in sin 
because we've stopped believing that God loves us. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? When a snake said, God has given you all these instructions because he wants to control you, not because he loves you. How many of us have started to become bitter or resentful towards God when he doesn't give us what we're praying for? We think, how could God love me if he doesn't give me this? Christ City, God loves us. He loves us with a, with a love that is unchanging, unconditional, and incarnational. When we doubt that God loves us, look at his word. And when we doubt that God loves us, look to the cross. Look to his son who was sent to walk this very earth to take on the suffering that we deserve so that any suffering we go through now, we know is, will one day end. We know we'll be redeemed for good. Who was sent to walk on this earth so that no matter what God does not give us, we know He has given us the one thing that truly matters. And all this for no other reason than because He loves us. So first point, condemnation for sin. Do we believe that sin is at the root of all the problems in the world? Second point, God's love. Do we believe that God loves us? Third point, eternal life. Look at verse 16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Ah, we need to be clear about what eternal life means. Eternal life doesn't mean just living forever. It means living in relationship with God forever. Last week, Jake used this quote that was so helpful that I want to double down on it again this week. The quote says this, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this, if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflicts or natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? The Christian gospel will not be good news to us until we see how bad sin is. The Christian gospel will not be good news to us until we see how much God loves us. But there's a third thing. The Christian gospel will not be good news to us until we love God. Until we see how good God is. Until we see that the greatest gift God could ever give us is Himself. It's Christmas season. It's like when a toddler receives a Christmas gift but ends up playing with the box and the wrapping paper more than the gift. That, that's how we are so often, aren't we? Christmas is the time when we are supposed to celebrate the greatest gift we could ever receive, the gift of God Himself. And yet, don't we spend a lot of our time focusing on the box and the wrapping and the gift we wanted but didn't get? We focus on the box instead of the gift. We focus on the other gift we wanted rather than God Himself because if we're being honest, we don't see what's the big deal about being in relationship with God. We don't see what's so good about being with God. What's the big deal of being in a relationship with God? 
Jesus died for us so that we might be in relationship with God forever. That's what eternal life is. And until we see that there is nothing more precious than being in a relationship with God, until we fall in love with God, the Christian gospel will not make sense to us. Until we see that there is nothing more precious than being in a relationship with God, we will treat Christianity like signing a life insurance policy rather than as a life we sign up for. And then you know what happened? Our life will not change at all. But when we fall in love with God, when we see that the Christian life is not about that single moment that we put our faith in Him, but it's about an entire lifetime of walking with Him and getting to know Him more and more and enjoying Him. Until we see that there's nothing more precious than being in a relationship with God, we will be asking, what is the bare minimum I can do to get away with still being called a Christian? But when we fall in love with God, we go all in, don't we? No sacrifice is too big because there is no greater joy than submitting to the will of the one who knows everything and loves us so much that we can trust him completely. Until we see that there is nothing more precious than being in a relationship with God, our prayers be filled with asking God for stuff rather than asking God for more of himself. What we ask for reveals what we truly want. But when we fall in love with God, you know what we are always praying about? We just want more of Him. Christ, my prayer for us is that we would see how precious God is, how beautiful God is, how lovely God is. That there is nothing more wonderful in all of creation than being in right relationship with the God who loves you so much that He died for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, and whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's stand as we respond to God's Word together. <laughs>